Welcome to the New Hope Podcast. Our mission at New Hope is to engage our city with the love of Jesus, one relationship at a time. We pray this message encourages you in encountering God's love and displaying it to your city. We hope to see you soon. Hey, if you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 20, we're continuing in our Ten Commandments series, and we've looked at uh, the first five commandments, and now we are looking at commandment number six. Um, this has been a series that's been encouraging to me, and I hope has been encouraging to you as we just look at some practical truths and, and how those apply to our lives. And, and this text today is no different. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, we simply see the commandment, you shall not murder. You shall not murder. Now, when we think about all the ten of the Ten Commandments, um, for example, even last week, honor your father and mother, there's, uh, there's a chance that as we look at that, we could probably all say at some level, as we unpack that, that all of us to some extent at one time or another dishonored our father and mother. And so that's a commandment that all of us has broken. And when we look at you shall not murder, um, we, this is one of those commandments like, ah, oh, this, is, this is probably the easiest of all the Ten Commandments uh, to keep. And and because when oftentimes when we think about the truth of this text, which is plain, it's not like there's not like a secret commandment here. It, it really is, "Thou shalt not murder." But when we look at this text, we often think, "Well, that specifically is a commandment that is given to those specific uh, moments of anger and rage or whatever that leads to premeditated moments of taking someone's life." And you go, "Hey, that that's not me." And so, can we just read, "Thou shalt not murder," and can we just move on to the next commandment? Well, Jesus would say, no, you can't just, well, praise God for not murdering in the sense that the text is talking about. Thank you for that. Um, But Jesus is going to challenge us to go, hey, but there's a reason why we are called not to murder. And he begins to unpack that. And that truth is the one that I think as we begin to really see the reasoning even behind this commandment. I pray that you and I will be able to be humble enough to realize, oh, wow, all of us actually do struggle with the heart of this commandment more than we realize. And so for that, I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus specifically teaching on this, right? So um, before sermons, I I have a list of preachers that I trust and respect their teaching, and I will listen to a lot of their sermons as a form of research uh, when I'm planning a, a, a sermon myself and there is no better preacher to turn to uh, than Jesus. And so how Jesus unpacks this text is probably important for us to pay attention to. Well, he did that very thing in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. What's he referring to? He's referring to our text. You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and they remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift." Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. 
Jesus takes the heartbeats of this commandment and begins to unpack and apply specific ways that this, is, this can be uh, taken for us. Now, a few things just as uh, somewhat of an introduction or thoughts to help us understand why Jesus is saying what he is saying. First, we've got to understand the context that Jesus is, especially with the Sermon on the Mount, is dealing with uh, religious leaders in a lot of his things that he addressed. So, for example, when he says, you have heard that it was said, he does this uh, uh, half a dozen times as he goes into a new section, meaning he's going, basically, you have heard because the religious leaders have taught you X, Y, Z. Well, I tell you, and what he does is he goes to expand and expound on that truth and begins to really uh, bring new revelation and new understanding of why certain commandments are there. And what the religious leaders have done, um, very much so that Jesus addresses with all the Sermon on the Mount, is that they have taken a command and they have made it a rigid black and white moment. And so basically, hey, you can kind of treat your neighbor however you want as long as you don't murder them. Because the commandment says thou shalt not murder. But the commandment doesn't necessarily say that you can't be angry with them or you can't have hatred towards them. And, and so what they would do is they, say, they would justify all these other things, but the action itself is what they would deal with. And so, well, Jesus is coming in with the Sermon on the Mount, and he's going, hey, um, your motivations actually matter. What's going on below the action actually matters. And so it begs the question, one, just to look at, hey, the context, but it begs the question, well, what is kind of the understanding at the heart of all the Ten Commandments and all the law? We've already said this, but Jesus makes it clear when he says that the greatest commandment is that what? That you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is like it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. We see these two uh, um, kind of summaries, love God, love people. We've, we understand this truth. We talked about this. And we, even with the Ten Commandments, we've mentioned that the Ten Commandments are broken into two sections, how we relate to God and how we relate to others. Once again, loving God and how we honor Him and how we worship Him and love towards Him. And then how do we treat uh, people around us in love for them? And so as we look at thou shalt not murder, it, yes, is a good commandment that speaks to life, recognizing that God is the author of life and God is the authority over life. And so, yes, he has the commandments on how we handle life. But why shall we not murder? And this is what Jesus gets at, because at the heartbeat of it all, in, in not only Matthew 5 here, but when he talks about the Good Samaritan and who is your neighbor, is this truth and this reality that God has offered all of life and that every single life is made in the image of God. And because every life is made in the image of God, how we treat that life is very important. When we begin to think about death itself, we've got to understand that God created us in his image. God created us, and not only when he created man, what did he do? He picked up some dirt, and he breathed life into it. And then he made woman out of man. Interesting, of all the things that God created, the only thing that he touched was that dirt and then in the creation of the woman. So he even, not, all the other things he spoke into the existence, but here, just speaking to his, speaking to how he uh, takes uh, pride and care and honor and respect and the gravity of what's being created, he makes man in his image and to walk with him in a relationship with him. And a part of God's design over life was there's never an intent for death. But because of sin, death came in and entered into uh, our world and entered into our story. 
And in that death, and because of that sin, we immediately see into Genesis chapter 4 that because of that anger and because of that sin, we see Cain kill his brother Abel. And we begin to see murder and death bringing into account. But as it begins to happen, thou shalt not murder. And even as we look at the, the, the future ones, thou shalt not commit adultery and shalt not steal and lie. All of those are transgressions against what? The love of our neighbor. All of those are transgressions against the love of other people. And so Jesus, knowing that that is true, says, hey, thou shalt not murder is not just the important, it's not just because we don't take life, which we don't, but it's, it's to say, why don't we take life? It's because all life is made in the image of God, and we were created and called, especially as those of followers of Jesus, to show that our love for God in how we relate to others. Therefore, the problem with murder is not as much murder, which is important. I don't, I'm not minimizing that, but it's the lack of love that takes place in that moment. When we murder and break the commandments that Jesus gives us, it brings and shows us the hatred that is in our heart, and we miss the call to love our neighbor as ourselves. This is why Jesus would say, hey, if you're angry with your brother, you have committed murder in your heart, meaning you have taken what was valuable and that God authored as life and as valuable, made in his image, and you, in your anger and your hatred, say it is not important, it is it is foolish, literally, this idea that you are nothing of value and you are, um, it, it was a statement that was used in context to say you have no spiritual worth and value, you fool, and you are, might as well be thrown into fire, which is why the text says you fool, you will actually be liable to fire. Because that statement, you fool, was used to communicate you have no spiritual worth and you might as well be separated from God for all eternity. What you're doing in that moment is you're saying you have no value. It is the absence of love for our neighbor that Jesus says when we come in and we don't love our neighbor, you in fact are getting at the root of where murder comes from. It's that anger and that's that hatred and it's the devaluing of the life of another person that leads to that premeditated murder and even in the motivation and the emotion and the hatred, you are doing the very thing that is the problem. And so, so this idea, you shall not murder, Jesus would say, hey, if you got anger and hatred towards your brother, you have murdered them in your heart. Well, Jesus took the text and he says, this is actually what it means and so now he being the faithful preacher, we got to go, okay, well, actually, thou shalt not murder is a challenge to that I need to love my enemy as myself, that I need to love and care for my enemy. And the absence of that is actually breaking the commandment, you shall not murder. Yes, I may not have taken their physical life, but I've devalued their life in my heart. And Jesus is saying, that's the problem that begins and causes murder to begin with. It's the devaluing of the life that God has given. So as we begin to unpack uh, anger for a second. There are two responses to anger that I want us to look at as we begin to think about applying this text. The first is in anger, we often attack. And second, we will avoid people. We attack and we avoid people. And anger comes from desires that are not met. So oftentimes, whether it be when it's specifically murder or when it comes to hatred towards our brother, there's something, there's some type of desire within us that has not been met. James chapter 4 is where I get this from. James 4 verses 1 through 2 says this, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions or desires are at war within you? 
You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. When we look at the commandment, we shall not murder, and we look at how Jesus unpacks that, for us, one, you should actually not murder. You should not take of the physical of life. But for many of us, that won't be our struggle. For all of us, the struggle will be with how do we deal with emotions of anger towards other people around us. And we often respond with two things. We attack or we ignore. I want you to look at this as Jesus gets at this in Matthew chapter 5. So look at verse 22 with me. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. I think all of us can, whether, from it, whether it came from us or it came towards us, can understand the moment of how anger causes us to attack other people with our words. Now, in the sixth commandment, you shall not murder, anger can also cause us to attack with our hands. and can cause us to attack in a physical way and actually take of life. But many of us will never take of life and murder, but many of us, myself very much included, because of anger, have taken that same emotion and attacked with words. And Jesus is saying this is just as evil, because in both instances, although I'm not to say that, that the taking of life is the, the exact same as words, because it, it's not, but the motivation of evil is the same. The motivation of the lack of love is the same. And so when we very much attack as what is happening here, the Scripture ends with, you actually are liable to the hell of fire. That you in your heart and that murder, you yourself, as we attack others in our hatred and in our anger, uh, we, we are doing great harm. And because in that moment, we are not seeing them for the value of the fact that they are made in the image of God. And we as Christians are called, and we as mankind, but we are Christians are held accountable and expected to recognize that we must be faithful to thou not shot murder. And that means that we must recognize the emotions of anger and hatred in our heart, and we must not respond in attacking others. Now, let me take a moment for a second and, and, and say this, that we got to really define anger here. And why I mean that is because we see Jesus many times be angry. Right? We see Jesus be angry towards others. And the difference between what is anger in reference to here and the anger to what Jesus does is Jesus' is anger comes out of love for others, where here this anger comes out of hatred towards others. So think of some examples. Uh, one example is, uh, this is often missed in the text, but the text where uh, children are being brought to Jesus and the disciples are like, no, you know, y'all aren't, y'all aren't cool enough, y'all aren't big enough, you're not smart enough, whatever was going through their mind. And so they stopped them and it says, Jesus saw it and he became indignant. He became angry. And his anger was because it was his, out of his love for others and out of his valuing of children and out of valuing of recognized that when it comes to Jesus, there's no small person or small place, that all people and all places matter. And so Jesus became angry because what? They were out of, because they were not allowing those, uh, allowing them to come to Jesus. When you see Jesus go into the temple and he gets angry and he turns over tables, it's out of what? It's out of love and honor for not only God and his, and, and the worship that is due in his place, but they were setting up those tables in the courtyard of the Gentiles. 
And what they were doing was the Gentiles were wanting to come to God. The Gentiles were those that were not of the Jewish uh, uh, culture and ethnicity. And so those were everybody who was not Jewish, but decided that they wanted to honor the God of the Jews. They recognized that him to be the Yahweh, him to be the creator. And so they would come to the Jewish tabernacle to worship. And they had a certain place that they could go. And so they would come in and there'd be all these rules and regulations that they may not understand. And so what happened were the Jewish leaders set up all these places like, hey, you need a dove to sacrifice. Sacrifice. You need a lamb to sacrifice. Here's one, and I'm going to charge you a whole lot of money. And what it was doing is they were, they were profiting off of people wanting to come to Jesus, which was creating an obstacle for people to come to Jesus. And so Jesus being angry about, once again, that actions were taking place to keep people from coming to worship God, he became indignant and became angry out of what? Love for people. Because he recognized who they were and the value they had. And he wanted no obstacles to keep people from coming to him. And so he became angry. And so we're not saying that there's not good anger. But the, the anger being here is not out of a love for the neighbor. But it's out of hatred towards the neighbor. And in this type of love, I mean, excuse me, this type of anger towards other leads to devaluing them, not valuing them. And it leads us to attack others calling them, you fool, you have no value. We as Christians are called to show love towards our enemies. Now, when we talk about loving our neighbor, um, the question in the Good Samaritan, uh, the story of the Good Samaritan comes from the question of a religious leader coming saying, you know, what do I do? And Jesus says, love your neighbor. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I get that, but who's my neighbor? Looking for that justification because it's real easy to love people who are like us. It's real easy to love people who accept us. And so what does Jesus do? He gives this great story where someone who is actually being oppressed, we recognize that the, the person in the story is being oppressed by the one he's helping. That the people, uh, the Jewish people had oppressed these, uh, uh, these people, these Gentiles, these different people. And so instead of the uh, religious leader within that community doesn't help, but instead the outsider comes and helps. And what does he say? Is that your ethnicity, your agreement, your hobbies, your religious beliefs does not determine who your neighbor is. Your neighbor is determined by the one who is created in the image of God, all mankind. It's a quick summary of the story, but... But the point is, is when we are called to show love to our neighbor, that includes our enemies. That includes people that are, disagree with us. That, complete, that includes people on opposite political sides of the aisle. That includes people who, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm, it's the Super Bowl. I was going to think of something, but I realized I don't think anybody in here really cares about Cincinnati Bengals. I was, you know, if Kansas City was in it, I was, you know, I had, a good, I had a good illustration back there for Josh Collins. But after that, it... You know, but it, it means that, that we don't allow whatever disagreements and differences to, to divide us. So when we look at this commandment, thou shalt not murder, this is what this means as it applies to us. This is what Jesus would say. That means that we love our enemies, we care for our enemies, and we do not attack them. Not only do we not attack them, but we don't also just completely ignore them. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. So if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. 
We gotta we gotta add a little bit to the story, I, I would think, to kind of give some speculation. But clearly, there's been an incident between the person referred and the person that's you know not in the story. But he's referring to the person in the story. If there's an issue with a brother and that comes to your attention, don't ignore that. Don't ignore that issue and just continue on with your worship and continue on like it's no big deal. Don't don't do that. But instead, see that a form of hatred, a form of murder, is that you just ignore them and completely cut them out and just just go, hey, I remember we've got issues. I remember there's an issue here. I remember that you have something against me or I have something against you, but I'm just going to ignore you because you're dead to me. Anybody ever heard that before? Any of us ever said that before? Now, I'm not to say, because we get, I think, good advice at times, and I've given this advice, but I also think we've got to be careful of this advice, of statements as it relates to others that are in life with us, whether it be brothers and sisters in Christ, whether it be our neighbors, whether it be our coworkers, of saying, hey, you, you know, that, that, that person, you just need to completely just, that they're toxic or they just need to be dead to you or you just need to get them out of your life. Now, there's some truth at times to recognizing that uh, decision. But we have been told as Christians that we are to do everything in our power to seek reconciliation, even with those who in which we have problems, which means we cannot ignore those problems. I say statements like this to people in counseling and leadership and often more times to myself, that if we sweep things under the rug, eventually you're going to trip over them. And in our lives, if we just ignore things and sweep things under the rug, eventually you're going to trip over them. Eventually that, whether even if the tripping over it is just animosity in your heart that you're unwilling to let go of because you haven't dealt with trying to reconcile in that situation... And so, Scripture would tell us that, hey, we show anger towards others. Jesus is giving examples. Jesus is saying we show anger towards others, which means we murder them by making them nothing in our hearts, by either attacking them and calling them nothing, or ignoring them and acting like they're nothing. So what does this mean for us? Well, Jesus would say, hey, don't ignore it, but instead, leave your gift at the altar and go. So hold on a second. You're... you're Jesus is saying, hey, stop worshiping at the altar for a moment and go and reconcile. Why? Because worship is not just what we do with our words, what we do with our hands in a worship service, but worship is how we honor other people in the life and the dignity that God's given them. We can worship God by honoring people. And so, yes, it's actually what Jesus is saying is stop the worship at the altar and go worship me by proving your love and worship to me by going and reconciling with your brother. We can't attack people and we can't ignore people because God's called us to love people out of the dignity that they've been by the fact that they've been made in the image of God. So as we look at this, thou shalt not murder, it is a straightforward commandment. Please do not go and murder. Now, one of the things we're not getting into today um, for a number of reasons, but I want to give it a quick overview of is when we look at thou shalt not murder, the King James, I'm grateful for the King James and the history there, but I, I do think uh, that they have misled. The King James says you shall not kill. Well, there are two very distinct Hebrew words dealing with that are one's translated kill, one's translated murder. And in the context of kill and murder, they're a completely different context. 
Kill is the word that is used often in self-defense moments in Scripture. It's used in moments of war and different things to that uh, degree. And murder is always used in this idea of premeditated taking of an innocent life. And so it's important for us to even draw this distinction that thou shall not commit, or excuse me, thou shall not murder is using not the word, Hebrew word for kill, but is using the actual Hebrew word for murder that can be translated in that premeditated taking of an innocent life. Now, and the reason why I bring that up is because I want to affirm that Scripture very much uh, gives uh, moments and opportunities that we are to uh, defend. We can defend our homes, that we can defend our country, we can defend our lives, that we, we are grateful for the police officers who defend our safety. There, there are things, and we're grateful for the defense of that, but we must recognize what is being called here, what is being happening here in the physical taking of a life, but even in the emotional sense of anger and hatred is that we are looking and saying, your life has no value, therefore I kill you. Or your life has no value, therefore I attack you with my words. Or your life has no value, therefore I ignore you as if you don't exist. And thou shalt not murder says that all of that's a problem. Why? Because God has created all of us in his image and he has called us. All of scripture can be summarized in love God and love people. And the moment that we take someone's life, the moment out of anger we attack them, or the moment out of anger we ignore them, we are not loving them. The issue is that we are not living out the love that God has for us and for others through our lives. And so the question that I have for you as we close is, is how can you love your neighbor? How can you be faithful to this commandment? And I want to end by simply giving the answer and the example that Jesus has given us. There's no greater love than one who lays down his life for a brother or a friend. And Jesus did that for us. Instead of Jesus taking life, he gave his life for you. And out of his great love for you and care for you, he sacrificed his own life. Your life was so valuable to him that he was willing to give up his life for you. That's what it means to show love for others. And so, one, I want you to see that example and go ask the question, hey, how have you responded to the love of Jesus this week? or in your life at all? How have you responded to the fact that he laid down his life for you, that he loved you so much that he laid down his life so that you may have life? How have you responded to that love personally between you and him? And then the second question is, how can that example set a practical example for you in your life? There are many actually I'm grateful when we think about Veterans Days and other moments, Memorial Day, for those who have literally laid down their life for us. But there have been many who have laid and sacrificed other parts of their life for us. Maybe not be their physical life, but when I think about someone who's laid down their pride to forgive me when I'd wronged them. When I think about someone who has chosen not to hold anger and bitterness towards me and the vice versa. So maybe how do we go out of here today going, how do I not commit murder in my heart this week? How can I sacrifice my pride and how can I sacrifice in order to show love and care for others? This may cause you to sacrifice your, your time and your resources towards others. Thou shalt not murder is a very clear commandment, but it's also a commandment that gets at to the, the core of how we do or don't love others. And so the challenge today is don't murder, but also go and love people that shows them the dignity that murder does not show them, that shows them the love and care that hatred does not show them. 
and care for people in a way that Christ has cared for us. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can email us at info at newhopeny.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for those outlets is New Hope NYC. Our website is newhopeny.org. If you are in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 164-2 Gothels Avenue in Jamaica, Queens. We're praying for you and we hope to see you soon.